0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap.
1: Tony, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks, that's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business
0: in-house in the central division.
1: That's right, I'm a meatball.
0: Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome in to another edition of Socks on Tap. It is Tony Marchese alongside NWI Steve. Happy National Pizza Day. We're here to talk some White Sox baseball. Steve, I saw on Twitter before we hopped on here, you were enjoying a nice pie. How are you feeling on National Pizza Day, my friend? Hey, yo, Anthony. Anytime that
1: uh, you can get a nice, good quality pie, it's a good day, and uh, no better day to do it then on national pizza day so for all those who celebrate and for all who hold this day in their hearts i hope you enjoyed
0: i hope you enjoyed it as well steve uh where'd you get your pizza from if i if i might ask uh it I... looks, looks pretty good
1: yeah, you know, I, I changed it up a little bit today. I went to a spot that um, I haven't been to in several years. I pass it on my way to the gym uh, pretty much every day. A little little place called John's Pizzeria over in Dyer, Indiana. So uh, I uh, gave it a whirl for the first time in several years, and I came away uh, very pleased with my decision. So I'm uh, definitely probably going to be making a trip back here at some point in the near future.
0: Very nice, very nice. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed some pizza on National Pizza Day. I'm going to do so myself after the show. Um, I've got a jacks in the freezer. I think I'm going to throw that in there and celebrate a little bit before the clock strikes midnight. Happy Thursday to everybody, as we know here at On Sports. That the weekend starts on Thursday. Our guy Johnny would would definitely tell you that that is hashtag facts, as you say. So it's it's a good day to be talking some White Sox baseball. We're going to talk a little bit about projections. Everybody's all up in arms on projections. Maybe Mad Online. Steve, would you say that people are mad online? little preview?
1: You know, Anthony, I definitely would say that people are, in fact, mad online.
0: I think that that there are some people who are mad online. We'll talk about that. We've got uh, a bunch of White Sox topics to run through. We're going to obviously, like I said, talk about some of these projections. We've got some off-season grades uh, to talk about here. Uh, Some World Baseball Classic uh, rosters announced today. Uh, well, uh, you're going to be down in Arizona. So we'll, we'll talk a little world baseball classic. We'll get into some prospect ratings. Uh, Keith Law's prospect ratings are out. He's normally not kind to the White Sox. We'll see what he has to say about this one. And then we've got, uh, some other ballpark experience things to talk about as we always do on the show. Uh, and, uh, just some other White Sox news, but before we get into all of that, be sure you're going to OnTapSportsNet.com to check out all of our White Sox content in the White Sox section, and we're covering all Chicago sports, so check that stuff out too. Make sure you're following the show at SoxOnTap on Twitter. You can follow Steve at NWI underscore Steve, myself at TonyOnTap, and the show at Sox on Tap. And we want you to hop in the YouTube comments. Please come interact with us. Talk some White Sox baseball. We'll feature some comments on the show. Steve, let's get into some of these White Sox topics. And I think the hot thing on everybody's mind as we sort of previewed here is the Zips projections that were released uh, earlier this week uh, from one Dan Zemborski, friend of the show. He's been on here before um, talking about his Zips projections. And these projections this year, I would say, were not kind to the Chicago White Sox. They made them look pretty bad. And and there's obviously reason as to why they look bad, but let's get into this. Uh Sox come out in third pra- place third place, excuse me, with a 74 and 88 record uh via the Zips projections released by FanGraphs. Uh they've got Minnesota ahead of them, they've got Cleveland ahead of them. I believe the chances of the White Sox making the World Series were less than 1%. Ugly, ugly, ugly projections, Steve. Initial reactions hit me with them. My
1: initial reactions are this there is a compelling case that you can make for the 2023 White Sox to finish the season in third place with a 74 and 88 record. I've been saying for a while now, I think that there are only really two viable outcomes for this team this upcoming season. One of which is because of the early season schedule within the first six weeks, they get off to a slow start and dig themselves a deep hole where come July one, they are six or seven games out of first anybody that is on an expiring contract that maybe had a bounce back type of year. So I think about your Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Yasmani Grandal, any of the bullpen arms, those guys would be gone. And the teardown would begin. In which case, if that does happen, 74 and 88 feels about right. If we're being honest with ourselves here. The flip side of that is, I know that there are plenty of people who look at this thing on paper and say that this team is just, Too talented to be a 74-win team. And if you look at the prospect pedigree and what they've done various seasons throughout the course of their careers, yeah, you, you can definitely make that argument as well. But as I've talked about frequently, we have not seen this core group outside of 20 games or excuse me, outside of 60 games during the 2020 pandemic season string together both health And performance. So the idea and the belief that people just want to summarily dismiss the projections, again, it's a computer algorithm, okay? It's not a person, okay? So let's be clear about that. But people that want to just summarily dismiss this aren't being objective about it. So I talked about that downside of it where you could make that compelling case that this is a 74-win team in 2023. But on the flip side of that, if you get a modicum of health and if you get some level of performance relative to what these guys have done at their peaks, you could easily make just as compelling of a case that this is a 91 team that will find a way to win the American League Central and get back to October. I think that those are the two only viable options for this team. I don't see a third alternative path here i think it's going to be one of these two things either they come out of the gate hot and and you know they come out playing inspired baseball because they don't have a corpse in the dugout with them that's actually like getting them fired up ready to play on a day in and day out basis and isn't trying to dial the game back to the 1890s which could very well happen. and i hope it does happen it would be awesome or there's that downside of it that i talked about earlier so whether you want to believe the projections or not, you can make the argument however you see fit.
0: Interesting stuff, Steve. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to where you're going to side on, on your projections for this White Sox team, if I had to uh, ask you where those are. Uh, but I think we might have to save that either for later in the show or for another show when we have more of a full crew here. Uh, Well, I'll tell you where where we're at, but I mean, I think we can sort of maybe level set, you know, like where are you feeling right now? Nothing official. I'll tell you right now, I don't feel great
1: about things. And I think that is just a reflection on what can only be described as an abject failure for this off season. And I I think we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that, but there's just not a lot of positive vibes around this team at the moment here. I'm going to be really interested to see, you know, when I get out to Arizona in a month and just granted a lot of the guys on this team are going to be missing, participating in some stupid exhibition series um, that's going to be taking place out in Arizona. And we're going to get to that in a little, a little bit later on here, but it's going to be fascinating to see the guys that are still there. See what the mood is like around the dugout, around the team, what kind of energy level they have, because we all talked about it last season. They were dead. There was no energy there. There wasn't, you know, the Brian Goodwins or or the Billy Hamilton's, you know, in the dugout pepping the guys up and, and the guys playing with excitement and playing with joy. We didn't see that last year. They looked like a dead team walking from mid to late April on, and it showed in their performance. So I'm gonna be fascinated to see what happens. You know, when I get out there and kind of lay eyes on them. And the other thing, too, that always matters and why I don't like to make preseason projections or predictions at this point in the season, injuries happen. I mean, look, you know, 10 days before the start of the 2021 season, Aloy Jimenez, being an idiot, ripped his pectoral. So there's really no value to making that kind of projection. I mean, a week before the season kicked off last season. Garrett Crochet goes down with Tommy John. Lance Lynn's knee pops. So you lose two guys right there. All of a sudden, that dramatically altered the trajectory of that team, at least to start the season, and in Crochet's case, for the entire season. So I'm very much taking a wait-and-see approach to this. I'll have my predictions and my projection models uh, probably somewhere around March 28th, March 29th.
0: How's your how's your algorithm coming along? Are you are you working on an algorithm, Steve? I, you I, know I, we, we talked about AI replacing you, so I, are you hard at work with your projection model algorithms I'm, uh, I'm, for I'm, this I'm, season? I'm,
1: I'm, I'm tweaking I'm tweaking some things here. You know we're 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 finalizing the formularies, all the inputs and all the components to it, and uh, we'll see what happens here later
0: on. Fantastic little tidbit here, um, and I've got to uh, give some credit to uh, Josh Nelson over at Sox Machine to put this together. We look at uh, the projections that came from Zips uh, back to 2015, and the the worst that it has ever been off is is 2017 and 2018, where the White Sox underperformed projections by 12 games. Uh, the most they have overperformed. Uh, Zips projections dating back to 2015 is by four games. That was in 2019, 2020, and 2021. Uh, Steve, so giving some credence to the the Zips projections, obviously there's always room for uh, these things to come out vastly different than what the projection system is. And I've asked this question to a lot of people that I talk White Sox baseball with, how do you feel about the projections? Uh, Most people that I've you know corresponded with have said that they really don't care for what the projections are i'm looking at this the the margin of where the sax have underperformed is fairly significant compared to where they've overperformed dating back to 2015 that gives me you know just looking at some data here uh, a little cause for concern that things could be a little bit worse uh, than what the projections are. If you're going to track this, you know, back and forth, uh, it's it's a dead even tie here. Uh, we've got four seasons where they've underperformed, one by six, two by 12, and one by seven games, and three seasons where they've overperformed it by four, and only one where they overperformed it by two. So if we're looking at this sort of through the glass of how accurate are these projections, can you see the White Sox this season, and this is a, a probably a tough question to ask somebody who's been as negative as you have been on this show, can they overperform their Zips projections by more than 10 games this season? Do you yes. see that happening? They,
1: they absolutely can. Will they? I don't know. Again, it's going to come down to can they get a level of both health and performance? Can they get 145 games? Out of Aloy Jimenez. Can they get 145 games out of Yoan Mancada? And let, let's think about this. It's an odd numbered year. You look historically throughout the course of his career, in odd numbered years, we get above league average offensive production from Yoan Mancada. If you total up and you average out his 2017, 2019, 2021 seasons. He's got, I want to say it's like a 108 weight of runs created plus with a 366 on base. That's what this team needs to have happen here. They need a good, strong offensive season out of Yohan Mancata. They need that bounce back from Yasmani Grandal. Is a full offseason training as rigorously as he has been, is that going to help him? If you get 145 games out of Aloy Jimenez, can you get the 40 home runs? If you get those things... It's going to significantly alter the outlook of this club. So can they do it? Yeah, they can. I I think that the White Sox in 2023 have more room for variance with their performance relative to projections than just about any other team in baseball. And it can go both ways, like I said.
0: Steve, that might be the most optimistic thing I've ever heard you say on this show, although you left some room for caution. That's not true. That's not fucking true. That, you left some room for caution. I, I I understand where you're at with this. I think coming into this year, Steve, and you wrote an article over on uh just a couple of days ago about the low point that we're at as White Sox fans. And, you know, if you – are so inclined as a listener, uh, I would encourage you to go check it out. Um, There's really some reasons, Steve, and I'll give you a lot of credit for this. Um, You you picked on most of the factors that that lead to where we're at as a fan base altogether. And when you have these projections come out, (laughs) right? When you have these projections come out and be so dismal, For an outlook into this season, yes, we can talk about room for variance. Yes, we can talk about how if everybody stays healthy. But the White Sox have largely done this to themselves when it comes to where everybody is at in the White Sox fan base and how they feel sort of disgruntled. I think that there is definitely at least in my lifetime, never been a season where I've seen this many people hashtag mad online about this team, Steve, and these projections sort of threw gasoline on that fire. So let's talk a little bit about the reaction from the fan base to these projections specifically. And you wrote the article before this even came out. I think it's gotten far worse since that's happened. (laughs)
1: Yeah, look, as uh, the great Hawk Harrelson once, twice, or even three times famously said, everything in this game is self-induced. The White Sox organization has nobody to blame but themselves for the apathy and for the disgruntled nature of this fan base right now. For all the reasons that I laid out in the piece, um, it there's just nothing positive that you can look at with this organization right now there just isn't um you had an underperforming team a year ago you had a relatively uninspiring managerial choice to try to right the ship here you did nothing of real substance in free
0: agency um are you considering pedro grafal an uninspiring managerial choice steve that's Okay, all right, that's fair. All yeah. right. I
1: like hearing that now. And and I and I and I say that fully acknowledging that in the time since he has been named manager, he has said the right things, in my opinion. He's talked about things from a process level standpoint, being in line with what I'm looking for out of a modern day manager. But again, how that gets applied in practice into practice. Is going to be crucial, and we don't know. And the fact of the matter is, we see this all the time guys, when they become a first time manager, when they are ultimately forced to make those decisions, you know, sometimes they're going to have fuck ups in games. I think, especially the first couple months of the season, and I fully expect that those are going to happen, and you know the weirdo TLR defenders out there are going to
0: be just jumping up and down for joy over.
1: See, it wasn't Tony's fault. It wasn't Tony's
0: fault. Can't wait, Steve. I will. I will take every opportunity out there this season. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. I, I just. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. How you've developed uh, this hatred. For anything, I think it's because Tony La Russa and Jerry Reinsdorf are friends. I've, I've tried to do some self-reflecting here, and I just don't think that you like anybody that converses with Jerry Reinsdorf. But you did bring up Hawk Harrelson just a few minutes ago. And what do you think Hawk would say about this offseason? I think we've got the perfect clip for it. Unfriggin' friggin believable and, and that's where we're at. Uh, I don't know. I feel like he might say, you gotta be bleeping me. We've got that clip. You for. gotta
1: be bleeping me.
0: We're always prepared here, uh, Steve. We've got to move on from these projections because I really don't. I, I don't want to believe in them. I was talking, like I said, to a couple of people and, and Besnick, our guy Besnick over uh, at On Sportsnet. He writes all of your post game recaps, and you've heard him on this show. Uh, really had no care in the world for these projections. I had a source tell me that he might
1: be changing his name to
0: Ray's Insane. I don't know oh, if you saw some yeah. of
1: his uh, tweets earlier this morning here. He was talking about fan bases that he would you know, less like to be involved with than than the White Sox, and he rattled off about 10 to 12 teams. He didn't list the Rays in there. So mm. is it possible that maybe he is going to be Rays insane going I forward? Don't. I don't I think, know. I'm going
0: to have to dig to the bottom of this. Do we need an on-tap
1: Sportsnet investigation
0: here? We might need an on-tap sports investigation on this one. Steve, that makes me a little uncomfortable heading into this season. We can't have Sox Insane going Rays insane. Uh, but uh as we move on, as we move on here, uh, we've got the offseason grades to talk about. And this is sort of on the same subject of why this fan base is so disgruntled. Uh, the White Sox received an F from the Athletic. I think the most prestigious of grades that they received was from John Heyman, who gave them a D minus. Uh, how are we feeling about White Sox off season grades? There was, there was one person that I saw who was a little bit uh, sort of angry or mad online, as we like to say around here about the White Sox off season grades. And that was friend of the show, Chuck Naso from Barstool Sports thought everybody was overreacting to this. What's your impression of what's going on with these off-season grades, Steve? Let it rip. Well, I think, again,
1: everything has been self-induced. The organization, they did this to themselves. They deserve all the scorn that they are getting. Um, Obviously, the F grade in the athletic, I mean, personally, I think it is justified when you consider that their one off-season acquisition, the highest contract in the history of the franchise was for – a player that doesn't really move the needle a whole lot. And then their primary starting pitcher acquisition is never going to throw a pinch for them, most likely. Uh, that's not a very good offseason. And then, you know, John Heyman obviously uh, was being pretty generous with the, the D minus. We used to have a saying back when I was in my youth that C's get degrees. Now, I don't know. Maybe do D's get you division titles in the offseason? I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out, I guess. But. They deserve this. They went out again. And Rick Hahn shot himself in the foot once again by going out and clearly identifying and talking about what this team needed to do and what areas they needed to address in the offseason. He laid out a vision very clearly and then failed to go out and execute on it. Yeah, he got Andrew Benintendi. Okay, that addresses one area in terms of the corner outfield, does it do so in a particularly meaningful manner from my perspective? No. So you talk about all these things that you need to do, and then you just don't go out and do them. And then you wonder why people are pissed off and irritated going into the season. Here we are a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting to Camelback Ranch in Glendale, Arizona. And it's just a collective meh, within the fan
0: base they have no one to blame but themselves see I'm conflicted on this one Steve for a couple of reasons very very conflicted on this one um and and personally I think letting Jose Abreu walk or perpetuating this to the point where he chose to walk as as you like to sort of insinuate through a lot of conversation that we've had about this particular subject but Overall, I just kind of laugh at this because to a certain extent, we went into this offseason and I was told by people like you and, and a couple other people on Twitter.com that the White Sox wouldn't spend money this offseason, that they would do absolutely nothing. Um, we've seen the Mike Clevenger situation sort of play out. Um, and, you know, facts and and what all that is, I I can't really know or tell you what's going to happen with it. I don't have a crystal ball, but when I look at this off season, I sort of saw the white Sox actually make an attempt to do some things. Maybe they didn't execute on every one of their desires. And yes, I am upset that we don't have a second baseman. I thought the catcher position needed to be addressed. I thought that uh, they needed to add more than just Mike Clevenger um, from a starting rotational, uh, you know, perspective, But you saw the team go out and sign the largest contract that they ever have in franchise history. Save me the fact that I didn't expect it to go to Andrew Benintendi either, and we can argue whether or not that was the greatest allocation of resources. But sort of the narrative, Steve, that was being pitched by a lot of individuals was that they were going to do absolutely fucking nothing to try and help themselves become a better ball club in 2023 they did go out and spend money they did go out and try and address issues that were on the roster and I think through the Andrew Benintendi signing a a very glaring hole um, that they had especially with left field and defense and adding a, a profile of a baseball player that they don't really have on the roster right now and yet the media And a lot of people within the White Sox fan base want to kick this organization when it is down. And you've sort of seen that play out with getting an F in your off season where you've signed the largest contract in franchise history. Granted, I know that you want them to sign somebody to a $300 million contract. I do as well. Believe it or not, I do as well. But it's just funny to me that when your GM goes out And signs a player like Andrew Benintendi, Mike Clevenger, who obviously is not going to pan out as a a great signing, but there was an attempt made. Sorry, you don't get a cake for trying. But they actually went out and they tried to do stuff, and it backfired in their face. It's almost like bad karma. It's almost like they can't get anything right even if they try to, and yet we're still going to sit here and crucify them. Are we being too harsh? Or are we just that disgruntled as a fan base? Because I see the attempt. I can rationalize with the attempts that were made here. Are they going to cut it? I don't know. But it's just sort of funny because it's the same thing that we hear all the time with this White Sox organization. They don't spend money. They don't spend money. They don't do anything. And then they went out and spent money when everybody in in October said they're not going to do anything. They're going to cut payroll. And then we're ending up with a salary that's near, if not above where we were last year with some of the extensions that were signed early, that Rick Hahn went out and are is largely celebrated for locking some of these guys up, which is increasing payroll over the long term here. And yet people are still going to sit there and play the same exact cards that they do against this organization all the time. Am I happy with this offseason? No. Do I think it deserved an F? Absolutely not. I would say it's somewhere near a C minus. I'm not happy because they didn't address everything that they said they were going to. And your point about them laying out a plan and not executing on it is entirely true, but I do see some effort there. I just think it largely blew up in their face, especially with the Mike Clevenger allegations, especially when it came to, Jose Abreu walking, especially when it came to not addressing second base when there were plenty of fucking options on the market, and especially when it comes to looking at the catcher position and an aging Yasmani Grandal and a lot of belief in Sabi Zavala as a backup catcher. Um, when you're seeing smart organizations like the Cleveland Guardians going and taking flyers on Zach Collins and stuff like that right in your face, um, it's sort of hard to believe that they had a great offseason, but I just think F is a little bit drastic okay well then let me ask you this question
1: are the white Sox a better team today than when they played their last game on october 5th
0: i think a lot of that steve is yet to be determined i would argue on paper are they better on paper i would say that they are not better and the one reason and the one reason i will say that they are not better is because of jose breu and liam hendricks That's it right there. The subtractions of those two players, and we don't know if Liam Hendricks will throw a baseball this upcoming season, um, and we'll get to a little bit of news bits on him later, but those two players who were your stars, -stars, all-stars, all-star guys, um, former MVPs, are no longer part of this roster or are injured heading into the 2023 season. That's it. And everything else from there is sort of negotiable because you don't know what sort of impact you're going to get from guys who had injury plague seasons uh, in, in the previous two years. For me, the idea that this
1: team knew that they had holes that they needed to address. They knew that they had areas of tremendous uncertainty and they did little to go and address them. Even without Clevenger's situation being what it is. There's a compelling baseball case to make that he wasn't going to move the needle very much for this team based off of recent performance. So that alone right there isn't particularly encouraging. So you have all of these areas that you know you need to address and you don't do it. I just don't know. For a team that, again, is supposed to be in the heart of their contention window, that's not like this is at the beginning of a teardown or at the bottom of, of a rebuild here. They're supposed to be a division favorite. That's what we were sold on. With this, I don't know how, given what those expectations were, and you talk about expectations all the time, knowing what those expectations were, knowing what the holes were, knowing what areas needed to be addressed. I don't know how you can't look at this and see
0: it as anything other than an abject failure. And that's a, that's a fair opinion, Stephen. I, I, I fully agree with the fact that there's a constant need for continual improvement um, and, and an ever changing market within major league baseball. You're not competing with your division. You're not competing with your, uh, even league at that point, when you state that you want to go out and win a World Series, you're competing with the entire, the entire league of Major League Baseball. You have to be able to step up to the table and not just sit at it, but actually execute. The problem here is, I've sort of, as a White Sox fan, come to accept the fact that the White Sox are never, at least at this juncture, going to go toe-to-toe with the New York Yankees. They're never going to go toe-to-toe with the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're just not going to do it. And that's why in the last episode, Steve, I sort of talked about how Rick Hahn needs to be more creative. He needs to be more, I don't know, just aggressive with some of these moves in order to feel the better ball club, at least on paper. Now, granted, I'm not a major league baseball GM. I have no idea what the health, of any of these guys are entering the season. And we we joke about the White Sox way being sort of stay healthy, but there's also some truth here. If we look back over the past few seasons, when has this roster ever played together for a full two months of them all being healthy? I think that's, that's,
1: that's one of the main reasons why the projections are what they are right now. one of the things that zips does is take into account both previous performance and previous health factors. So, for guys that are not healthy consistently, they're not going to be projected
0: to be healthy because you can't count on that. And I'll argue with you here, Steve, on this basis because they're in this situation with Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, Johan Mancada, Yasmani Grandal, they've legitimately built themselves a core of players who are consistently injured, who are consistently one of them. Don't call blatant. them injury-prone,
1: though. Rick Hahn will not like that.
0: I will call them consistently injured instead <laughs> of injury-prone. I'm choosing my language very carefully here. I don't want to get caught up in Rick lawyer-speak school. Um, but for real, though, like you look at this roster, it's really hard to go and increase your payroll to exorbitant levels. To no, it's build- not to build like a a backup plan of an additional four or five starters amongst your roster. And we're not even talking about the starting rotation yet.
1: No, but the thing is it's not if if, if the San Diego Padres can do it in like the second smallest market in the major leagues,
0: the white Sox can do it. They're choosing not to Jerry Reinsdorf is choosing not to, and he owns the team that we're talking about right now. And he has every fucking single right to choose how to spend his money. And that's what people fail to forget every single time we talk about this is it's his choice. We can right. fucking he does, hate it. He, we he, can does hate it. A, he does have a choice to be a selfish, cheap asshole. I agree. Sure. And he has every right to do so. And we have every right to complain about it. And that's what we get to do here and spout off on whatever it is that we're we're feeling. But I just don't, like I, I just don't see him changing all of the sudden. I mean, there was that point in time, I think back in 2020 where we, where we all thought, Oh, he's nearing the end of his ownership tenure, Steve, and he might just, you know, go in spring for uh, Oh a god, that's going to be the player. second happiest day of my life. And then and then look look at look at across town with the Chicago Bulls today. I I know you're a big basketball fan, Steve. You were oh, down man. in uh Champaign a couple of weeks ago taking in some Illinois basketball. Yeah, yeah, you know things
1: y- Yeah, do. you know if listen if we want to talk about that, talk about the fact that I inspired those fucking jobbers to actually win a game,
0: you know, they you got, were, they, 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 got they got the happy.
1: rub from me, and then they actually won a game, and look
0: what's happened since. But so that that's my thing. Like, as a White Sox fan, Steve, though, like, if I look back at this, I'm just waiting for us to catch lightning in a bottle. Because that's the plan for success for the yeah. Chicago White Sox. You have to hope for that. You wonder last year, like, why I was thinking that there was still hope is because – I'm only attuned to one thing as a White Sox fan. If you go back to 2005, it really feels like lightning in a bottle. And that's sort of what it was because they were unable to replicate any sort of success going forward there. All the things had to break your way and you had to have a really good team that was gelled together and knew how to play a style of baseball that they were just going to beat you. And if you don't have that, if you're the Chicago White Sox, until we're underneath another ownership group that wants to go and spend the way that the Los Angeles Dodgers do, the way that the San Diego Padres do, the way that the New York Mets do, you're going to have to catch lightning in a bottle. And you're going to have to figure out how, how that's going to happen. And I'm going to believe that hopefully that happens again once more under this ownership tenure. That's just how it feels. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. So when I look at this off season from a white Sox perspective versus a national perspective, I, I sort of think that if we're grading on a Jerry Reinsdorf curve, why not give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and bump them up to a C minus. Your curve stinks. I'm not a major league pitcher. I don't really care about my curve, Steve. Your grading curve stinks. It's true though. What, what, what are you going to expect them to do differently ever? Like, and if, and if you go into an off season thinking that they are going to do anything different than what they've done consistently over this contention window, like, are you like, what do you think is going to happen? There were
1: plenty of other ways that they could have gone about constructing this roster to address areas of need that would have put this team in a better position. Would you feel better if they would have brought back John Cueto? Yes, absolutely. Okay.
0: Are they going to do that? No, because they're not smart.
1: Okay. But but again, I mean, that, and, and that was for less money
0: than what they're paying Mike Clevenger. Okay. Yeah, so that's, they, so... it's it's bad. That's, okay. that's your GM okay. not being smart enough to make that decision.
1: Well, like we talked about, though, is was that an Ethan Katz thing? Probably. I don't know that we're, I don't know that we're ever going to know well, the answer
0: to that. I don't think we're ever going to know the answer to that either, Steve, but he seems to like certain types of pitchers and projects to work with. So all we're doing is making an assessment based on what we see, but it seems like there is a Ethan Katz profile type pitcher. And I don't think Johnny Cueto fits into that mold.
1: I, I don't disagree with that. But my, my point though, is that there are things that they could have done. Uh, within their artificial bullshit financial constraints that actually on paper could have made them a better baseball team than where they are at right now. And, they,
0: and I, I, I do not to. I don't think that that really goes back to Jerry Reinsdorf. I think that goes back to Kenny Williams and Rick Khan. Knowing what their constraints are and making bad personnel decisions. I don't disagree with that.
1: I've been very consistent
0: in my in my belief that
1: these these guys, and it's not just about the time that they've been in in the GM position. Both of these guys have been in this organization for twenty plus years now, so they know what they're dealing with. They know who they're dealing with. They understand what an asshole he is. They should understand what barriers he's going to put in front of them and all i was told about 10 years ago when he got promoted was how rick Hound was the smartest general manager in the sport because he had degrees from Harvard and michigan which and uh northwestern really paying off those three degrees
0: doing a lot of good and here we are steve it's it's just a bad spot to be in, and I'm I'm I guess I'm a little more hypercritical on that front office for not shoring up the rock. I go back to guys like DJ LeMayhew, who would have been just rock solid through this contention window. I go back to stuff like Whit Merrifield, and, and just the fact that we sat through Nick Madrigal, and then. Cesar Hernandez, and then last year it was just you know a, a shuffling I mean, what Bearfield stinks now, though he does. But let's go back and think about when this window actually opened. Could they have gotten aggressive in 2019 and pushed for something? Could they gotten a, a little bit more aggressive in 2020 or 2021 before we had to sit through the disappointments of 2022? There were obvious cracks in the window that we you get the the window cracking open and they they they've yet to make that aggressive move to go add at a deadline outside of craig kimbrell that blew up in their face and i think we all know
1: uh, no i got another example for you sure
0: go ahead throw one out there you know i'm old enough to remember
1: when twitter.com was questioning why the white Sox would trade dane dunning for
0: lance lynn I'm talking specifically at the trade deadline versus, and they could have went for Lance Lynn. They could have went for Lance Lynn. Those were rumors that happened at the deadline. And then we waited, we waited a little bit and we got him in an off season. I, I still will go back to this. I think we've got a habitual problem of making really large impact moves at the deadline that are over the top. And I've said, since this entire rebuild started, Steve, that if the White Sox are going to acquire a premier star, it's going to be via trade. And it's probably going to piss some people off what the return is that we're going to have to give up for it. And they they haven't done that yet. They have not done that yet. The, the Dane Dunning-Lance Lynn trade, I love it. I, I love the fact that we have Lance Lynn here. He is one of my favorite players. So you be. you you are one of the few people that understands why that trade was made, is what you're telling me. I, I think I've spent enough time with with you, with Jonathan. Um listen, I just made my two own separate trips
1: down to Arlington to try to research this
0: yes. for the people. Yes. And 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 it's been such a public service that uh you know I I'm waiting for a congressional medal of honor to be bestowed upon you uh, for your hard work and research that was put into this project. There were no taxpayer dollars that funded this. Uh, I, I can assure everybody out there, but that we can um, prove th- that we can prove. Uh, but no, I, I think overall, we have yet to acquire that star player that I think that we all sort of thought was going to be here. You can go back to the Manny Machado, Bryce Harper stuff. When all that failed, you um, Johnny and I did our episode about how we we missed and, and money talks and all that stuff back on Shy Sacks. But wait, didn't you just didn't you just
1: say earlier in, in the show though that you know just showing effort was 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 what you wanted? I mean, they they showed effort. With
0: no, and- they they did show effort. They did show effort. I want them to show effort, Steve, in in the aspect of actually making signings. And I think they did that with Andrew Benintendi. Again, we'll go back to my grading curve scale here. Those would have been eight pluses. Andrew Benintendi still feels like a C plus at best. Why? Because you have to look at the rest of the league. But if you only look at the White Sox in a vacuum, which doesn't win you championships, that that's like an A plus signing for the White Sox. And that's, that's the margin that's so off right now for this team. It's so off. But as fans, I also think that if you do look at the White Sox in a vacuum for a second and you throw all the league away, it, it's, it's like that's the, the highest amount of money they've ever spent on anybody. So the the actual statement of, well, they didn't go spend money isn't factual. It is factual. Is it sad at the same time? Yes. It's a really hard place to be.
1: I mean, if I look at the White Sox in the back, of I'm just seeing nothing but dust.
0: It's a sad state of affairs. It's a very sad state of affairs. And meanwhile, that team has seven players that are heading to the World Baseball Classic that Steve... As an exhibition tournament, I've got some different feelings on that. I will I say it's this: for the game
1: of baseball. I will say this: on Monday, March the 12th, I will be in attendance for Team USA versus Team Canada at Chase Field in downtown Phoenix, Arizona. So I'm going to be taking it in. So
0: you know, you might get a Lance Lynn. Apparently. I might get a I might get a Lance Lynn. But who knows? Maybe TA will start it short that day. Who knows? Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be also. Involved in that shortstop mix, uh, seven White Sox. As I said, we've got uh, Tim Anderson, Lance Lynn, and Kendall Graveman are all going to be appearing for Team USA. Graveman, late edition. We did not know this before today. At least I did not that he would be participating. Um, interesting stuff, given the fact that uh, the Liam Hendricks health concerns are out there, and Kendall Graveman's going to be firing some bullets um, for the world baseball classic team USA that was a guy that I don't believe was able to go back to back days for a little while over the season um then started to get leaned on heavily at certain points in time um that one concerns me just a little bit Juan Moncada Luis Robert team Cuba And then you've got uh, Eloy Jimenez and Jose Ruiz also participating in the World Baseball Classic. I'm excited to watch it, Steve. I don't know why. I think I'm just that excited about baseball, and I I like some of these rosters. I'm excited to see how hard some of these guys go. I know everybody's nervous to see how hard some of these guys go, but uh, I think the World Baseball Classic is a great idea. I don't agree with it from the timing standpoint of when we're playing these games, but I do think it's good for the game of baseball to have a world competition that includes major league players. Um, just maybe let's sort of schedule it midwinter or I don't know, it, it's it's gotten to a point with major league sports teams. And this is not just a baseball problem uh, that lending out your players uh, to national competitions, uh, sort of worries front offices, fans, everybody in that nature, because injuries do happen. Um, I wish that wasn't the case. I wish these guys were all just, uh, I don't know, robots at this point in time and could not be injured. And I don't know, maybe steroids can help that Steve. I think Jose <laughs> Canseco would tell you that's the case, but, um, I- I'm excited for it on some levels. I'm nervous on others. Uh, let me hear your take. It exists. It exists. Um, there's, there's
1: not really a good time that you can do this. Um, you know, your idea and your premise about doing it, you know, mid to late November or whatever, I mean, asking guys to basically extend out their season for another couple of weeks after grinding out 162 games. And then for guys that play in the postseason and get to the world series, You know, you're playing into November already. So there's just not a conducive time to do this for this type of competition unless you kind of do what the NHL was doing for a while with the Winter Olympics, where you just stop your regular season
0: for two weeks in the middle of the season to do it. Um, NHL does lend some players out uh, for their their national competitions uh, during the playoffs. Um, as as guys get eliminated as well, you talk about some of the Olympic stuff, and that's sort of the premise that I was going on with the you do it in November, early December championship there, where you can let the guys who are playing for their teams through the playoffs sort of go, Um, and then you let but then the, but then the teams problem that are eliminated, with, but uh, then the problem just, with that is
1: you don't want from from a league and from a TB perspective you don't want eyes. Off of your postseason, which that is the thing that makes you the most revenue from a TV standpoint, um, and from a contractual
0: standpoint. So you got a built- simple solution to this. They're morning games hosted overseas, not in America. And that's how you expand your audience globally. And you can have baseball games that start at 9 10 a.m. during the playoffs, and you get baseball all day. And I think people would like that. I would, at least just thinking about it if i can wake up watch nine innings and then tune into some playoff games that start at one i'm all for that i just think logistically you you got some issues there um
1: but you know like i said i'm I'm gonna go check out team usa versus team canada on uh, march the 13th so Um, that'll be interesting. Hopefully I get to see TA out there. Maybe see Lance Lynn. Um, are you going to continue doing some investigating Steve while you're down there? Listen, my investigative duties never stop. Word on the street is I might be doing some investigating in the Bay area next week to get to the bottom of the Oakland A's impending move. Most likely to Las Vegas. So,
0: no, you're I'm a have, fan of Vegas.
1: You I'm going to eh, I'm, I'm, I'm over it at this point. Um, but boots on the ground next week in the Bay
0: Area. Look out for some things. There you go. Maybe you'll have a conversation with Billy Bean about how to construct a baseball team with Little will ma- and, he'll, and he'll make fun of Ken Williams again. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, moving on. We're already at 50 minutes on this show. We've got to keep things moving here. Keith Law notorious White Sox hater released. Notorious dickhead. Released his per prospect ratings. Steve, I haven't read these because I don't really uh, partake in Keith Law's prospect ratings, but you said that these came out fairly decent for the Chicago White Sox. Let's hear what you have to say about Keith Law rating the White Sox farm system.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, there were
0: some notable
1: things, um, in his write up about the Sox system here, overall, this is a, a lower third system. I think he had him ranked 25th or 26th overall. But, you know, what most of us have suspected is that, you know, you've got a few guys at the top that are of interest. I mean, obviously, number one on that list being Colson Montgomery. Um, this is a guy that he sees as a potential everyday starting shortstop in the major league and a potential all-star if his projection and and his development continues uh the most frequent comp that people always talk about with Colson Montgomery is Corey Seager a guy who's making I like you know, that who's making 330 million dollars right now so you know that's a that's a pretty good comp right there if he can uh continue his upward trajectory that would Really helped this team out in a number of ways. And then he also had really positive write-ups on two infield prospects. Um, Brian Ramos, who really kind of had his breakout season last year in high Winston-Salem and then into double A Birmingham. And then uh, Jose Rodriguez, my baby boy, who I basically adopted as my prospect love child um, several years ago, just because I have to randomly pick someone. He was the guy I chose. And after a very slow start in Birmingham last year, as he typically does when he ascends to a new level, he picked it up in the second half and he was really slugging the baseball in the second half. He had over a 900 OPS in the second half for this club um, in a notoriously pitcher friendly environment down in Birmingham in the double a Southern league. So some pretty positive developments there um law saw potential out of both ramos and rodriguez to be potential everyday second base options for this team so for, in in this coming season or down in, the road in, in, in this coming season no um obviously the more of the focus for for this season is going to be with lanin sosa um ultimately um you know a little bit of a mixed bag with Sosa in his prospect right up there at this point, because and, and kind of really just highlighting a lot of the things that we've all seen that Sosa is a guy that doesn't have tremendous plate discipline. Um, and you know, does have some power upside here, but might be a, a low average, low on base guy, and at least an adequate defender at second base. Um, but again, it'll be interesting to see what kind of development they're able to get from him. This full offseason here. And that that's one of the things that I'm going to be particularly interested to go watch when I am in Arizona in a month with T.A. being gone for the World Baseball Classic and Johan Mankata being gone. I'm probably going to get to see up close and in, in person Brian Ramos, Jose Rodriguez, Lenin Sosa on a daily basis while I'm out there watching the Sox. And, and that's going to be pretty exciting for me to go out there and be able to see those guys, see what kind of development they've had over the course of the winter here. Um, obviously spring training stats can be very inflated and very misleading. I have a tendency, like when I go out there, I like to watch and pay more attention to approach. And so I'll be fascinated to see um, where these guys are
0: at, at that point. Big approach guy, NWI Steve, can't wait to see what you are able to observe and uh, bring to the masses via ONTAPsportsnet.com while you're down there. Steve, excellent sort of description of of what Keith Law brought to you um, via his prospect rankings. I'm sort of encouraged, I will say that, uh, hearing some of these names. But my one question, follow-up question off of this before we move on to the next topic is, you talked about how you've adopted a prospect. I just need to know, is this a Gavin Sheets father situation where now you will be (laughs) this guy's biggest fan once he makes it to the big leagues?
1: You probably could make that case. I mean, um, I said I adopted Jose Rodriguez as my baby boy several years ago congratulations so, so th- I th- thank just you want to say congratulations
0: this is a wonderful moment for you i can't wait till you're down in arizona getting to watch uh, your baby boy um mine's at the big league level right now it's great in fact uh, a shameless plug for for gavin sheets i saw he won a golf tournament over the past week i'm very proud of him and i know that you as his uncle are also very proud of gavin sheets But can we talk for just a second about how jacked Danny Mendick looked in that picture? Steve, he's been hitting the gym just like you. You're a big gym guy, big gym guy, Steve. I mean, Uh, what has Danny Mendick been doing with his arms ever since he suffered that leg injury?
1: I mean, I would just like to say that uh, Dan Mendick, whatever kind of performance enhancing substances you're on, um, have your people get in touch with my people. Um, his arms might be as jacked as yours are, Steve. They're uh, okay. 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 If we put both of mine together, maybe I'm at at his level here. So, so Dan, listen, if you're listening, Daniel, please have your people get in touch with my people, send some of the stuff my way. Let's go.
0: Well, and he's now playing for a competitive ball club. That's true to the Chicago White Sox. So, it's a little scary. Uh, glad that uh, Gavin Sheets and Danny Mendick got to get together for uh, around, you know, and I'm not sure if it was a foursome with the boys like Nick Adams would like that to be, but, uh, I'm sure that, uh, they had a great time there. Uh, Steve, we're going to move on to some white Sox fan experience. I can't even believe that. I just dropped that on air. Uh, parking costs are going to be $30 at the, uh, the old guaranteed rate field. It's going to cost me $30 to get into lot B. Are we serious? Uh the Metra is is only gonna cost me about six dollars to get there and back. I'm not sure how I'm gonna play this season. We've already Buffalo talked about- Wings and Rings will be free. Yeah, this is this is interesting. Thirty dollars. These are unconfirmed, these are not hashtag confirmed by NWI Steve costs yet, but thirty dollars to park on a weekday in lot B. How are you feeling about that? Well, my process is going to be the same
1: that it has been since. 2009 i'm literally gonna tailgate two or three times a year the rest of the time i'm gonna park at buffalo wings and rings for free have myself a nice meal before i uh you know take a stroll down a couple blocks to the ballpark or who knows maybe on days when uh friend of the show, Jonathan Jonathan uh, happens to join me. And, uh, you know, we partake in some wings and a couple two trick pops, you know, and then he uh, drives me on over and uh, we have a couple, two tree more pops in the parking lot before we go in and lot B that's pretty much my game plan and my strategy because $30 to park for regular season games for this team with what they did or did not do this winter Offends my baseball sensibilities and my sensibilities as a human being.
0: Well, apparently, as a season ticket holder, as I saw that you can get some discounted parking. Oh, um, so now it'll
1: only be what 26?
0: Yeah, and you got to buy them in advance for yeah. games that you might not attend. I, I know people who have a family that take two cars to this lot, and Johnny's one of them. Uh, I know his dad parks and, and he parks that $60. To get two cars in the oh, lot, on you Tuesday even get night. in the park, I mean, think about that—sixty bucks. Sixty bucks gone in this economy. In this economy, sixty dollars. Think about
1: this: if they're jacking up the price of parking, what's the cost of a beer gonna be?
0: And you can't even get a Budweiser. It's just unreal. Um, I'm I'm pissed about this. I'm pissed. I, I've always drove down and and parked over in lot B over the past four seasons. To think about that parking cost day of, that, that's rough. I mean, the so White Sox don't just tough, have fans. It is a tough scene. Um, you know, th- there's other you know blogs out there, uh, like the 108 guys that they can walk over, so it doesn't really affect them uh too much so i'm sure they're not gonna comment on this as much as we will Steve. And i think you're gonna be over on a on a show with beefloaf soon um in the coming weeks i don't know if that's confirmed or not again i'm Hashtag just confirmed I'm, it is confirmed all right so i'm just firing some stuff off tonight because i don't i don't really care but 30 dollars to park in the parking lot is just it's just not it's offensive I, it, let's it call it is what it is it is offensive i, I how did the cost of parking my fucking car go up that much over the past two years? Well, I mean, well, I mean inflation, Anthony, inflation happens, man. Yeah, well, we need to fix that next. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know if I'm going to park next year. I just don't. I don't know if I'm going to park. I probably will a couple of times, but the Metro is looking all the more advantageous to me because I can literally cut this cost in half and get home. To New Lennox, probably for much cheaper and much safer than... And parking. you can easily yeah. drink six or seven beers on the Metro
1: on your way up there. So I can. You can, can build, and a, and I you can build a
0: nice base. You can build a nice base. I, I'm thinking that my whole White Sox game routine is now going to have to change because of these parking costs. I just don't see how this is reasonable. And we've also seen them change sort of a structured tier... Uh ticket pricing for where you're sitting in the section. This would be one thing, and I think we can go back to this. If this team had made it to the ALCS last year, I don't think anybody fucking bats an eyelash on any of this because you're we gonna pay want, for success. You're gonna want to be there. This is where they failed as an organization, Steve. And I think you'll agree with it. If they were winning ball games, if there was promise entering this season, these are not things that we're talking about on the air right now. They're just givens. I'll it's take something it that I further. want to be a part of. The on the field, the on the field display does not match the cost of entry anymore. I'll I'll take it a step further. If they would have had a
1: better showing last year, if they would have won a series in in the postseason, I would still be a season ticket holder many people that I know would still be season ticket holders. But given what we saw last year, it is going to be much more conducive from a financial standpoint for Steve incorporated to just buy the tickets off of game time 20 minutes before first pitch.
0: And we'll have game time links for you all season on Socks on tap. What a wonderful segue. What an interesting segue socks on tap presented by game time we sort of released that earlier this season but we'll have some links for you we'll see if we can get you any deals throughout the season can't promise anything but we'll try to we're doing the best deals yes help support on tap Sportsnet. we'll give you some game time links when the season approaches so that you can purchase socks tickets for all of you that have canceled your season tickets and still want to go to games, maybe come up and meet us in lot B after I get off of the train and Steve parks his car at Buffalo wings and rings. I don't know if we'll have any place to convene, but we'll find somewhere in lot B. Hey, we found a place to convene after
1: the suite back in September. So we're, we are a very resourceful group. If nothing else,
0: when it comes to drinking, we did. And we'll, we'll find a way to still make it happen cost effectively (laughs) in this economy is what we're saying right here, Steve. I mean, it just, I just don't understand how they navigated this market through the offseason. I think the biggest slap in the face is the increased cost to consumers um, who want to come take in this product that has not improved has arguably on paper gone backwards. And yet we're the ones that have to pay for it. Um, we've got some other white Sox news to wrap up here. Liam Hendricks, started round two of chemotherapy. Obviously he's fighting the non Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, the white Sox did release some shirts uh, to support the cause for Liam Hendricks. The picnic table didn't know what hit it. Our guy, Brian, LeFever fever fever is in the house. He's a, uh, Yes, he's, he's very, very factual with that statement. It takes so some special
1: degenerates alone. to be able to smuggle an entire bottle of booze and like, what, 20 beers out of a suite?
0: So little known fact, I still have two Modellos in my fridge from saving the, them for opening day i'm saving them for a special occasion steve um i don't know you can put your name in a bid for them we'll, we'll drink them at an appropriate time but they the, there's two beers on jerry reinsdorf <laughs> that are sitting in my fridge right now um and uh i can't wait to drink them at the appropriate time it just hasn't felt right to drink them but they've they've been in there since the, the night of the suite i'm pretty sure we may have gotten out of there with some other stuff too i can't <laughs> really uh talk about what everybody else hashtag unconfirmed was was unconfirmed um you know these are not factual statements uh but we we did make it out of that suite with uh with our alcohol um from what has been told to me um i was talking about liam Hendricks. uh there's t-shirts for sale for him uh i know that uh you know a lot of people are very um Concerned about Hendricks. There was some photos of, of uh, his cancer treatments that he's uh, going through um, that were released just, I believe, yesterday. Wish him nothing but the best. I, I hope he can throw baseballs this year. I would love to see that. It's going to be a wonderful story if he can. Um, obviously, if not, um, that, that's it's going to be sad. But I hope to see him in a White Sox uniform again in the future just because uh, of of what he's gone through so far. This is the last year of his deal, Steve, so there's some murky future around there. He's got one more year after this. I mean, yes. It's the option year. Um, so we'll see what happens with that, but obviously we've got some some problems at the back end of the bullpen that hopefully Kendall Graveman can straighten out in the World Baseball Classic, and Steve will be there uh, if you're just joining us. Steve, we're one week away from spring training. Um how you feeling, man? We've this is the last week without baseball until sometime in November, so I'm getting excited. I don't know about you.
1: The good thing about it is that we are one week away from being able to put this dog shit off season in the rearview mirror. It'll be over. It'll be done with it. Adios, say la vie, good riddance. all that shit, and it'll be time to get down to brass tacks. And I think that's basically where we all need to be right now because the negativity that has swirled around this team for the last three to four months, it's been a lot. And talked about this earlier in the show. I don't ever remember a time where there being this much negativity from the fan base surrounding this team. Even the deepest, darkest depths of the rebuild 2018, when they lost 100 games for the first time in almost 50 years, to go to to that point, I I don't remember there being this much negativity because you still had things to look at objectively, and you could say, okay, well, we know Eloy Jimenez is going to be here next year. Dylan Cease will be here at some point next year. You know, we've seen glimpses of. Productivity from Joan Mancada, Luis Robert is is in the minor league system, so we had hope. There's not a lot of things that you can hope on at this point, other than health, right now, and that's a scary place to be. So, to get the group into Arizona and actually start putting in the work and just put all of this negativity behind them. I think it's going to be the thing that this fan base collectively needs right now. And I know that uh, when I get out to Camelback Ranch on Sunday, March the 12th, and I'm able to actually sit outside in shorts and t-shirt at a baseball game with a couple of two tree pops, that uh, life won't be so bad. So the sooner it
0: gets here, the better. I mean, For all intents and purposes, Steve, not to forewarn you, it could get worse once they start playing baseball games. But I hope you enjoy this season. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do, regardless of the outcome, because I feel like we need baseball back in our lives. I'd like to roll some Um, fucking R's this year. I I hope that you can. Uh, I really hope that uh, these airwaves on Sox on Tap this year are filled with R-rolls, home runs, fireworks, You know, I love fireworks and uh, all sorts of White Sox victories. And I I hope that we get to a point, Steve, where you're in the stands and I'm there with you. And maybe Johnny's there and Andrew Kinsler's there and maybe Besnick's there. And and you fire off of this team has it uh, once again. I'm I'm hoping for that. Will Bradley be there? I don't know. He has been like mysteriously just gone for like a year. I've got to check in on that guy and talk to him in a while. Um, hope you hope hope you're well over there, Bradley. I know you had a rough day with uh, another Jerry Reinsdorf-owned organization. Yeah, real quick, <laughs> man. I can't imagine.
1: The oh man, I cannot imagine putting yourself through the pain and agony of rooting
0: for two
1: Jerry Reinsdorf-led organizations. This might have to take a
0: drink for for our guy Bugs. Poor Bradley. Oh God. God, God bless you. Yeah, I really. I'd, some people just are. Gluttons addicted to pain. Yeah, addicted to pain. I think Buzz Bradley. Let's call him Bradley on this show. From now I call him. him. I like
1: to call him Bradley.
0: If he ever comes back on these airwaves, I everyone knows I'm. B- I'm big on formality. Him. Bradley. Yeah, you, you know? are. I, I'm going to take a page out of your book. He's now Bradley. I'm going to change his name in my phone. Oh, as I as are, my I've book. already done that. As soon as we get off this show. Uh, from Buzz Guy to Bradley, but uh, they're over there right now on Bulls on Tap on the ontapsports.com YouTube page. Um, over there talking about I don't know if the Bulls won or not. Um, I'll be I'll be frank. I, I I do not know because we've been recording this show. Hi, uh, frank. I don't I don't know if uh, they won or not. But uh, rough day over there, rough scene as you like to say for the Chicago Bulls. Standing bad at the trade deadline. I think he. He wanted them to do some stuff and and shake it up, and I don't think they did in in very White Sox and Jerry Reinsdorf organization-run fashion. So uh, go give them a follow, at Bulls on Tap, just like at Sox on Tap. Steve, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Hit me with your final thoughts before we get out of here. Final thoughts are this, like we talked about, one week
1: from today. You will see images of pitchers throwing bullpens in sunshine in Arizona. We're getting dangerously, dangerously close. We are 49 days away from opening day in Houston against the defending World Series champion Astros and Jose Abreu. 49 days. We're dangerously close.
0: Steve's feeling dangerous. I'm feeling like I need another Budweiser. Steve, my final thoughts. This offseason sucked ass. I hope the season does not suck ass. I hope that you can enjoy a White Sox baseball season because I know how much damage this team did to you last summer um, amongst many other people. So I hope that if nothing else, it's not as bad as last year. But uh, we're going to have a baseball season regardless. It's going to be an adventure. And I hope everybody who tunes into the show is ready for socks on Tap post games, some Sunday fun days, and a roller coaster ride that we're all going to go on together. It's that time of year again, folks. We'll be back. Next time we're talking, we'll probably have some actual baseball action to talk about, even if it's not a a game. But uh, the White Sox will be in action. Spring training is kicking off here in the very near future. Be sure you're following at Sox on tap on Twitter. Steve's going to be down in Arizona. We're going to have all sorts of content coming your way. I am excited, Steve. I'm ready. I'm absolutely ready to be in Lot B in about – what a month and a half from now kicking back some jello shots kicking back on some beers and getting ready to enter opening day and we'll see what sort of debauchery takes place from there Buzz is here late breaking news hi Bradley the Bulls hi, lost. Bradley the Bulls lost Bradley is here in in studio he's listening to the show the Bulls lost I'm sorry Buzz I'm sorry. The Sox being good again are his last hope. Um, I don't know if I can offer any sort of words for him at this juncture that are going to help, but I don't know. They say something about, uh, you know, what what is it? Uh, Fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. I don't know where that's going, but uh, it's the same owner. We'll, We'll figure it out from there. Steve, it was fun talking White Sox baseball with you tonight. We've already gone an hour and 15 minutes. Let's close this show down how we always do White Sox forever.
1: White Sox for life.